Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, UpWest, and Hippo Insurance. Welcome, everyone, to the 77th episode with Nicole Priel, Vice President at IBEX Investors. Nicole is an early-stage investor with IBEX Investors, where she focuses on Israeli tech startups. She serves as a mentor in several accelerators and is an active member of the startup ecosystem in Israel. In her spare time, she enjoys connecting job seekers with jobs, leading the Brandeis Alumni Club of Israel, reading, and playing tennis. She lives in Ranana with her husband and their three children. Nicole Priel, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So great to have you. I'm, I'm really excited to, to do the show with you. And I, I'm, I'm especially excited to hear about your journey, you know, uh, how you got into VC. What does this mean to you? Uh, there are quite a few stories that I'm especially excited to hear about, but let's just get started. Nicole, tell me who you are and, and why are you in venture capital? Yeah, so I'm Nicole. I grew up in London, Maryland, and New York. And growing up in New York, you start growing up really fast. So at the age of 16, while most of my friends were off being camp counselors and whatnot, I was working on the floor of the New York Mercantile Exchange, the commodities floor, working for natural gas and oil traders. Um, And that really propelled my career uh, into the world of investments. So I went from there to a hedge fund that was also trading oil and gas options. Then when I went to university... I have a question, Paul. Why why at 16 are you doing this? Who at 16 goes and and does this? I realized that, uh, you know, you have to give it your all. And if you really want to get ahead in life, you need to put your best foot forward. So it was the beginning of experiential learning, this whole concept of learning outside the classroom. And I wanted to build my resume and position myself well career-wise. So I was thinking already about college and post-college and I've figured, all right, I've done the camp thing. Now it's time to move on. Wow. Okay. So you're, so you're doing mm-hmm. all, the, all these sorts of internships. What else have you done up, uh, leading up to college and through college? And not, not much else. I was quite boring. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I volunteered a lot in New York. I was, um, I was pretty active, uh, as, as a high school student at the time, uh, Israel was actually um, in a tough spot with uh, the second intifada. So I was pretty active going to protests and demonstrations and wow. things like that. Um, yeah, so it was a busy time. I started the Zionist Action Committee in high school. Um, and then I, I went up to Boston in 2005 for university. And I continued on um, doing interesting things. I studied abroad at Hebrew U when I was... Uh, right when I was 19, my junior year. And that's where I actually met my husband, by the way. So I fell in love at the age of 19 and uh, set me up for the rest of my life. But I came back to, I came back to university. I came back to Boston in 2007, 2008. And I had basically like been exposed to this whole startup tech, tech ecosystem in Israel, which was really nascent in the US, especially on the East Coast. Um, it wasn't really the thing it is today, but I was really interested in learning more about it. So I discovered, lo and behold, that Boston is a mecca for VC. So I just shot off like something like 24 cold emails to all the VCs in Boston. Wow. And I said, hey, I'm a student. I want to work for you. I want to get experience. I'm happy to volunteer my time. 
two got back to me. One said, we'd love to have you, but we literally don't have the space. And the other said, you know what? We're actually going through a rebranding and we would love to have a college student on board to help us through that. So that was Flybridge Capital Partners, um, took a chance on me and it was a great experience. So I worked with marketing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, then you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, n- not many college students have, a, have an opportunity to work for a VC at that, at that point. And you could look at it in the, in the sense of, yeah, I, I got a position, but, but then the backstory of there were four, 20, 23 other cold emails that either went unanswered or were rejected. Uh, it puts things in perspective on how much you have to sometimes, you know, uh, just shoot for the moon and, and hopefully something comes up. So talk to me a little bit about, about your experience in that VC and, and what were you doing there? So it was great. I set up their social media pages. Like I created their LinkedIn page. Uh, They were undergoing a rebranding. So I was helping with a lot of marketing efforts. I sat in on pitch meetings with brilliant entrepreneurs and I even did some due diligence. Um, There was an interesting company that came through. Two former executives from Scott Toilet Paper had an idea for a fertilizer company. So I rented a car the only car they had on lot was this like red Dodge Charger that looked like a sports car, but it's also used as an undercover police car. And I drove that down to New York and I visited all these home and gardening shops, places like Home Depot. And I was inspecting all the different fertilizers and speaking to salespeople and customers about their fertilizer options. So that was, that was really, really fun. And it set me up well to do VC post-university. So, okay, so you're finishing university and, and you decide you, you want to continue doing the VC uh, life. What, and, and so what happens next? Yeah, so actually, um, I graduated in 2008. I don't know if you know what was going on in 2008, but it was not a good time to graduate university. Much like today, it's not a good time to graduate college in 2020. Um, so I got a job at ExxonMobil because while the markets were down, oil was Sky high. It was at $140 a barrel. So things were moving there. That's yeah, hard different to than the free barrels we had the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy how fast things change. And by the way, that's why so many energy oil and gas traders blow up. They just, you can have a good year and then you can have a bad year and be totally so wiped volatile, out. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to work for ExxonMobil in a management training program for two years. And from there, I moved to Israel and rejoined the investment world. Wow. Okay. So, so, so investments, why, you know, at the end of the day, obviously, I mean, it's fun. It's luxurious. You get to meet a lot of entrepreneurs, but, but why choose the investment route? And, you know, I get to experience some of this in, in some of this VC world here in the early stage fund J ventures. And, and, and it's so, so exciting, but, but I, uh, but I can see both sides to it. So, so why are you so attracted to this world? You know, I'm going to tell you half joking, half serious. I'm in love with babies. Okay, since since I was a young girl, I was obsessed with babies. There's something that's so cute about them. And I've always been a huge fan. Once they're one, not so interesting. I let my <laughs> husband take care of them. <laughs> Give me them for the first year and then they're all yours. Um, so startups for me are like babies. They're honestly like babies. My youngest now is one. So she's in the not cute category. And <laughs> I, heard, I heard that the terrible twos that count. I didn't hear about the... Uh, I, I thought you have two cute years. Uh, not 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 in my book um, <laughs> but but when you're helping companies from their ver- very earliest stages from their inception grow you pick them up when they cry you show them the way 
you hold their hands, you give advice, you know, you open doors for them literally and, and figuratively. It's very similar to helping nurture a small yep. baby. So I love cute babies. I love exciting startups. And it really gets me going, waking up every morning and thinking about how can we help grow this business today? Or who is the next exciting entrepreneur or company to come out of Israel? I so how many, how many uh, deals would you see you've been a part of over the years and over your experiences? How many entrepreneurs have you had a chance to deal with? So I have been working in the investment field for over 10 years now. Um, and I've seen a lot of different stages, late stage, public, public equities, pre-IPO growth companies, early stage. Um, and at IBEX, we also, we invest across all those stages. Over the years, we invested in 23 Israeli companies since, wow. since 2012. Uh, we've had seven exits, so really stellar returns. Wow. And we're actually doubling down on Israel. And- That's amazing. Okay, so, so you're a vice president at IBEX Investors. What, what is this group and, and what is sort of the, you know, the thesis that you guys go with? So believe it or not, back in 2011, the founder of, of IBEX, this guy from Denver, reads the Startup Nation book, gets on a plane, comes to Israel, does a little trip here, gets back to Denver and says, wow, we've got to do something in Israel. The innovation there is out of control. So they started with a really small fund. Today, it's multiples of, of that. And they just started investing uh, you know, in, in public and private Israeli companies. And we have the name IBEX. A lot of people don't know what IBEX are, yeah. especially Israelis, which is ironic. Um, but if you're familiar with uh, Yael, the, the animal. Animal. Yes, yes, yes. The animal. The animal down south around meets pheromone. And that is able to, to climb almost 90 degree angles, like a ridiculous, something amazing on the, on the hills. And there you go. So most Israelis don't know that. They're like, what's Ibex? Then we say, Yael. And they're like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> so so, so why, but what, what is it about the animal that's exciting and that reminds of, of, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, perhaps? The founder of Ibex likes to joke that we didn't name our fund Ibex because it's an exotic, elegant animal who's able to scale difficult terrain. We named it Ibex because it was the first name of, of um, Freddie Mercury's band. <laughs> joke, joking, 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 jokes aside. <laughs> okay, amazing. Okay, so, and so how many people are how many people are a part of this group? We're 21 people with offices in Denver, New York, and Tel Aviv. Incredible. Okay, and and so so you meet. So is your position in Israel? Do you just meet all sorts of interesting startups from all sorts of stages, and then bring it back to the group and decide together whether to invest or not? Or or how, how does it? How does a committee actually work? Yeah, that's basically it. So um, I meet lots of companies nowadays. It's mainly on Zoom, and that's. That's cool. Um, but we can move really fast. We meet companies. We, we conduct some due diligence. We, we do have an investment committee where we decide if this is a go or no-go. Um, with the last investment we made, uh, we met the company just before COVID broke out or as COVID was breaking out in the world. And we did the deal you know, on lockdown. So we, we wow. moved very fast from the first meeting till the term sheet. It was 10 days. So despite the, the miles between myself and my partners in Denver, uh, we, we moved pretty quickly. 
No, I think it's actually, it's, it's interesting. And, and quite a few people have been t- telling me that a lot of these things have been accelerated due to COVID because now mm-hmm. if people were waiting for an, were waiting for a physical meeting in the office, a lot of the times they, they said, okay, well now there's, we, we don't have to wait next week until we're all in the same location. We can just do it tonight over Zoom and, and, get, and get things rolling. So I've actually been hearing this quite a lot, uh, but you know, I'd love to get your perspective. So you've, you've been observing the Israeli ecosystem for the past 10 years, I'm assuming, right? Uh, and I and I'd love to get sort of your insight into wh- what have you what have you observed about the Israeli ecosystem, perhaps you know in comparison to other ecosystems. And and I mean I'm asking for myself because I I don't know enough yet, and I, and and it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's a really good question. I I did not spend time in Silicon Valley, but what I can observe from Israel is that the ecosystem here is incredibly collaborative. Everyone really lends a helping hand to everybody else. So you don't have those competitive, stealthy, you know, maneuvers where people are trying to, to outbid or, you know, outmaneuver someone else. Um, so it's very collaborative, very open forum for discussion with other funds. We share deal flow, we share ideas. Um, founders are always willing to help, help younger founders and mentor them. Why do you think that is? What, what, what is it about? Why, why, why does the Israeli ecosystem have this collaborative nature? I mean, obviously I love Israelism, Israeli myself and, 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 you know, and it, and shows on the street and on the beach, but, but I would imagine that when it comes to, you know, venture capital to entrepreneurship, I mean, there's only so many good deals out there and there's a lot of VCs who are looking for them. It's David and Goliath. We're a country the size of New Jersey that's mainly made up of sand, trying to break into the big old United States of America where there's tons of capital flowing, tons of tons of you know interesting people and startups that are coming out. And we need to literally cross mountains and oceans to get there. So whatever we can do to help each other succeed, like someone else's success is my success and likewise. Right. So I think I think we're up against a great challenge, and we need every everybody's participation and cooperation to to surmount that. And is your decision to to focus primarily your efforts on the Israeli ecosystem is that out of any you know professional strategy, or is or is that mainly your love for the country and the fact that you made Aliyah for that? <laughs> it's a mixture of both. So we have LPs. We have a fiduciary duty. We return capital to our investors. Israel's a great place to deploy capital and to be able to to get those returns, those venture style returns um, that we're looking for. Personally and professionally, it, it also obviously strikes a chord in my heart to be a part of it and, right. and to help that. And I mean, you, I mean, you, so given that you uh, you've been as practically a Zionist since high school and leading these efforts, I mean, it, it definitely shows. Talk to me a little bit about you know some of the things that you've observed with with young entrepreneurs versus maybe serial entrepreneurs. Uh, that's always a fascinating topic for me. What what does it mean to you know? A lot of people give so much credit to serial entrepreneurs because they've gone through different things. What what have you been observing, and and what type of entrepreneur are you most excited to work with? So maybe this is a bit unconventional, but serial entrepreneurs, they're great. And yes, they have the experience. They've been through the whole cycle. They know the ups and downs. And when they come up to bat to do it again, it, it says a certain thing about that person that they know how tough and grueling it is and they're willing to do it again. And that's phenomenal. But 
when we look for invest, when we look for founders to back, we're actually looking for the ones who don't have that experience, who have a chip on their shoulder, who feel like they have something to prove huh. and are determined to make it big. Wow. So you're actually on some way preferring a first time entrepreneur rather than a serial, obviously every, every deal on its own, but, but overall you're more excited about these first time entrepreneurs. Yes. I've never yes. heard that before. Amazing. Okay. So, and, and, you know, but, but with the chip on the shoulder comes the, you know, the, the, the lack of facing the adversities and the lack of experience. And so you are foregoing all that experience for the, you know, the, the passion, the motivation and that, you know, in, initial excitement. Yeah, that's true. So it means there is a little bit more handholding and right. we learn from our mistakes. We learn from our mistakes, but we're prepared to roll our sleeves up and help them out. And um, I think that they also have a lot to teach us. So we're happy to give them the chance. We're not stubborn about, you know, second timers. Right. So, so I mean, and also this, this idea of being an active investor versus a passive investor and, and sometimes holding hands and being there for them. How much of that, you know, meeting alignment of expectations is there before you go into a collaboration with an entrepreneur or how much understanding is there between the two parties on how much or how intensive this relationship is going to be? Because it can go all, all ways, right? Totally, totally. And you never know until you jump in. It's a massive leap of faith. Massive. And that's why so much of it comes down to the team and the chemistry between the investor and the founders, because you're literally spending, you know, day in and day out with each other for five, 10, maybe 15 years even. So all those expectations should come up at the, in the beginning with the understanding that things can change and things will change. So gotta just hope for the best. And is that something that you can reasonably aim to really understand within a matter of 10 days due diligence? I mean, that's, that's very fast for the responsibility of, of, of aligning expectations and, and realizing if this is going to be a good relationship. Yeah. Well, 10 days actually sounds like a lot when, when you think about it, you develop like an intuition and a gut instinct within the first 10 minutes of meeting someone. So, you know, pretty much from the outset, whether this is something that could potentially work or not. So compare that to the next 10 days of due diligence. It's the 80-20 rule. So okay. I, yeah, sure. I could spend three months, uh, you know, speaking to every person who's ever encountered the founders, but is that really going to make it, you know, a difference in terms of our decision? Probably not. Right. And I think, I think what, one thing that I've been observing is that more and more funds are taking ownership over this fast, uh, this quick, uh, decision-making. NFX famously did that over COVID and Fusion Labs in LA also three weeks uh, three weeks until a deal. I think 10 days is extraordinary, but but it sounds like also this is a, a greater incentive now for entrepreneurs as well to, to trust the to trust the VC. And do is do you think that is because there is more there are more VCs now looking for the great talent, which is scarce and it needs to be more attractive. Or is that really because the VC wants to be more efficient and, and, and see more deals throughout the year? Is, is it the chicken or the egg? <laughs> That's, I don't know if we'll ever answer that question sufficiently. Um, Definitely. You're, you're right that there's more and more companies today. Not necessarily all of them are venture appropriate. There's this misconception, I think, that if you want to start a company that you need to go out and take venture. And I feel very strongly that venture capital is not the model for most businesses out there. So there's alternatives and, and entrepreneurs need to keep that in mind that venture capital is 
not is not the mold you know for, for everyone and for every type of business so uh, they shouldn't really necessarily spend a lot of time chasing venture capitalists if it's not appropriate for them and they can speak to a couple people and and verify that pretty quickly i think um and depending on the vc yeah efficiency is key we're looking to do three to four investments a year um, so we obviously have uh, you know there's a lot of deal flow in the in the pipeline and when we meet the ones who we want to work with we can move very quickly right no i think that then it's it's fascinating to me this work that you can you you know you you spend so much time learning, meeting so many people at the end it comes down to are these few key investments that you make on a yearly basis and and you know you, when you say four investments a year it doesn't necessarily sound like a lot but when you put it in the context of you know seeing hundreds of companies and and going through that going through that filter which has to be really really precise because at the end this is the you know fiduciary responsibility you have towards your other investors I, th- I think it's just an incredible journey Nicole right before we leave I have to ask you the most important question three words that describe you oh my god wow the first things that come to mind this uh, this is not a huge commitment all right I always live by the mantra you never know you never, you never know explain yep. that explain that to me um, so many people are afraid to take a leap afraid to make a change unsure of what's to come and I say, hey, you really never know what's, what's going to be. This could turn out to be the best decision of your life. Or you think that you're going to do X, but it's going to turn out to be Y. So nothing is certain. And just listen to the New York Lottery. That was their motto. You never know. I think it's awesome. And I think it's probably the, one of the best uh, mindsets you can go in uh, to the industry that we're living in because you just never know. And, and every day I'm surprised by something new that's happening. And I think that's just what makes it so exciting is the unpredictability. And it's the fact that literally anything is possible and, and you never know. Nicole, Todaraba, thank you very, very much. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your generosity and have a fantastic day. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.